Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best fictional orphan. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. This feels like a sad beginning. You've never met your parents, but they <laughs> wanted you to have this. What movie is that from? All of them. Yeah, any movie with an orphan them. in it. And also, boy, are there a lot of movies with orphans. It's not all movies. Yeah, movies, books, orphans TV shows, fiction. comic books, orphans of fiction. Yeah, sure. Songs. I'm sure there are songs about orphans. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They're all through that play Oliver. Mm-hmm. And Annie. It's and Annie. Yeah. I went to Marie's Crisis one night yeah. in New York, and it was so fun when the guy behind the piano started doing a whole run and where he was alternating between songs from Annie and songs from Oliver. And I realized about three songs in that he was just doing Orphan Night at Marie's Crisis. <laughs> so it was great. It was really, really fun. It's like, oh, where is love? I love that song. Oh, tomorrow. Great. Oh, consider your... Hang on a minute. I see what's happening. Yeah. Oh, another street. orphan. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think orphans come up so much in literature and cinema and all the different art forms? I think just as a trope, a character who doesn't know their lineage... It creates a ton of possibility. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's an idea of like, they have to learn to stick up for themselves. They have to navigate to a certain extent and fill in for themselves until they find a parenting figure or figures who helps guide them. And also like this idea of like, maybe one of the most famous orphans of all, like pop culture now guides how we feel about like, oh, if you were an orphan, maybe I came from the planet Krypton and the people who were raising sure. me found me when my, when my sat, when I little, uh, capsule crashed and I helped yeah. them lift their car out. Okay. I have a couple of questions then in our determining mm -hmm. of what we think is the best fictional orphan. Mm -hmm. You mentioned just now, you mentioned Superman. There are a lot of orphans who their orphaning is part of their origin story. And there are some for whom it is not really part of the story, but it's just, it is an element of their personality. I'm thinking of somebody like Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz, who is. Right. Being raised by Uncle Henry and Auntie M mm. from the beginning. You know what I mean? So she has parental figures in her family. So that's question one. Question two is, do you think that our best fictional orphan is necessarily going to be one who does not know their origin? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the difference between Batman and Harry Potter. Well, right. Is it like who has the, do you rate this? We're talking about fiction. Of like yeah. who has the saddest orphaning story? I mean, is that's it, gonna be I, has to factor in. I'm sure. Is it us taking all of these characters who are orphans, and that is the qualification that gets them into this pool? And then it's and just then saying, best character. Who's the best from character within this pool? Yeah, is that or is it a little bit of both? I think it's got to be a little bit of both. I think they have to be informed by their orphaning, and also they have to be. I think that has to be a primary driver of either the narrative that they're in or their overarching narrative if they've got a giant body of stories over however many years. In that case, do they get extra points if they become double orphaned? Because Luke Skywalker is orphaned, and then he gets orphaned again in a yeah. new hope. 
because yeah. he loses Owen and Baru. Same thing happens. And then at the end, he gets triple. He gets triple orphan because oh, then uh, right. Obi Wan gets cut down at the end. And then quadruple orphan because Yoda dies. That's right. And quintuple orphan because he pulls his dad's helmet off and he can't breathe anymore. Because he gets his dad back and, and yeah, he gets his dad him. back and then pulls his yeah, he gets his scuba dad back and then takes his scuba tank off of him. Yeah. Ugh. He's a quintuple orphan. Yeah, he might be the most orphaned of all of these orphans. Although but it's Potter best orphan, best fictional orphan, not most orphan. That's true. Harry Potter loses his parents. Then he loses Sirius. Then he loses Dumbledore. I mean, uh-huh. if anybody hasn't doesn't know these stories at this point, yeah. come on. But then there are orphans who the orphaning is not part of them, but their being an orphan is part of it. Like Mowgli. You don't know what happened to Mowgli's parents. You right. just know that he was raised by animals or Tarzan. You know the story, but it happens, you know, right at the very, very beginning. And it's not really part of the story. But the orphaning is really informative of what that character becomes. In those cases, you need that detachment. You don't need to feel bad that Mowgli, you know, Mowgli hasn't suffered for not having human parents outside yeah. of he doesn't know how to relate to other people yet. Mm-hmm. But he's been happy. He's been cared for and loved so you know he doesn't want to leave he wants to stay his adopted parents are the ones who make the decision of like it's time for you to be reintegrated with the human race and tarzan also i would argue that it was just the leader of that wolf pack going guys this human is getting bigger we got to do something tell him to go find his people (laughs) poor mowgli but he did. He found his humans by the end. He did find his humans. You know, in some ways, not knowing the parentage or that not being as important mm-hmm. kind of frees the character up for the sake of the story. Because otherwise, you might be sitting and thinking like, oh, I feel so bad. They don't. I mean, even Oliver, you don't really know much about Oliver Twist's parents. Yeah. You just know that where he is sucks. Yes. He's suffering because he's in a workhouse. Yeah. And then he gets out and about, but you're not spending the whole time thinking like, where are his parents? You're thinking like, oh, this is a spirited young kid yeah. who is figuring it out for himself in amongst the craziest of circumstances. And also, I think he has Oliver in this particular story has the benefit of being an orphan in a Dickens story. And in a Dickens story, an orphan is the center of the universe. Everything revolves around like it's a Dickensian orphan is such a a trope. You know, the street urchin with the fingerless gloves, the artful dodger, the the really like for better or worse, romanticizing of what was a really, really brutal life. A hundred percent. And you're also looking, if you're looking in that, you know, classic literature, you've also got Tom Sawyer, another young kid, male orphan. Yeah. But this time, not in the Dickens world, in the Twain world. So it's less bleak, more imaginative. There's more ridicule of the grownups from the kids as opposed to ridicule of the grownups from the author. I feel like the... That made no sense because they're both... Yeah, you know what I mean? I realized as I was saying it, I was like, yeah, Dickens didn't ridic- no, he totally did ridicule. But so did yeah, they both did. I as far as point are, of view for the kids. Anyway. Yeah. I think there's only a handful of orphans that I think qualify to win this. I don't think Tom Sawyer is one of them. 
because you only want it to be from stuff that's on that shelf behind you. So it's going to be all Potter and Star. Or is it? Are we just going to do? Is it Luke or Leia? Is that I what this is going to become? Well, like, what is the least racist books any of these orphans have been? <laughs> yeah, associated with. No, I mean, I think uh, Tom Sawyer is an interesting character. Those books obviously mm-hmm. are or have been required reading. I don't know if they are anymore. So we kind of mm-hmm. know his story and his association with Huckleberry Finn, and then out on his own. With his pal Jim, but I do think there are more fantastic, like we are more drawn to these stories of orphans who wind up, like even Annie, she is this orphan we don't really know, you know, she longs for her parents, she longs to have a family, and then Mm -hmm. she gets the rags to riches story where she winds up with the richest guy in the world and a dream life and everything that she ever wanted. So there is that idea of the romanticizing of orphans, like you say, is like, oh, I could, I could have superpowers. What if I wind up rich? It narratively opens up these possibilities, whereas the, the reality can be a lot bleaker. Which is why it's good that we're talking about fictional orphans. Absolutely. Do you want to talk about the twins, the Skywalker twins? We'll get to them, I think. Because Leia's also, every time that Luke is orphaned again, so is Leia. She gets mm-hmm. reorphaned. Because she, her whole yeah. adopted the Organas, yeah, yeah. Anyone who has ever been a maternal or paternal figure to her, yeah, in the whole first part of her life, gone. Obi Wan Kenobi was a, was sort of a parental figure to her as well in her sure. very younger days, as we just learned. We just learned in the limited series, gone. Yeah. yeah, you didn't like that. I'll tell you this. I, I think like we talked. No, no, I did like it. I, I'm not commenting on the quality of it. I was the little... yawn because most of the series is you and McGregor walking across a desert in a wide shot. The yawn is just because I'm tired all the time. I'm tired <laughs> all fair. the time. I eat terribly. I don't exercise. I'm tired. That was just a completely unrelated yawn. I didn't even know I did it. Oh, gosh. I really didn't know I yawned. I don't even know if I made a noise into the microphone or what. <laughs> all right. Well, look, we don't have to look much further than Disney Plus to find a lot of our orphans in sure. this collection. Uh-huh. But let's start with the Star Wars universe. Sure. There are more than just Luke and Leia in it, but I think those are our two. Han is an orphan. Han, sure. Han's an orphan. Luke and Leia's orphaning is the story, though, is the driver of that story. Mm-hmm. In that, also orphaned. I have Anakin down here. Oh, okay. Let me ask you this, though. Yeah. Is our orphan going to necessarily be a kid or have been a kid at the time? Because honestly, Mm-mm. any elderly character is likely an orphan. I mean, one of the most famous orphans, Santa orphans, Santa. Santa Claus fictional. is an orphan. Oh, fictional. fictional. Sorry, orphan. fictional. Yeah. One of the greatest fictional orphans we know much better from his time as an adult, where he dresses up as a bat at night and beats up criminals, as does... Are you talking about Teddy of, Roosevelt? Yes. A string of orphans joined him, most notably Dick Grayson, who loses mm-hmm. his entire family. The Flying Graysons are broken up from the circus when his parents are killed. So there's a lot of... But, you know, we know them. The act of their orphaning mm-hmm. is key to their origin. But we know them best as their alter egos. Right. Their alter ego, who is, like you said, an orphan magnet. He's like an amoeba that just kind of collects mm-hmm. more orphans and then becomes this big orphan sure. uh, orphan collective. Because he understands. All right. But we'll get to superheroes in a minute. Sure. Let's stick with Star Wars for a second. Okay. Let's talk about Luke and Leia. Between Luke and Leia is one of them. I mean, I would argue Princess Leia came out on top in our Star Wars characters mm-hmm. episode. But as an orphan and as their orphaning being a driver of the story, it's tough to argue against Luke Skywalker. Yeah. If you're factoring in their orphaning, mm-hmm. you know, he uh, they both grew up loved. Yes. And cared for and protected. 
So there is that. It's not like he, mm-hmm. he didn't have some Harry Potter childhood where they were forcing him to, you know, live under a Jawa sand crawler and he only came out to do chores. Right. He, he was loved and cared for and protected, but probably more shielded from the realities of what was going on than Leo, who's raised by an active member of the rebellion. Yeah. And learned to navigate as a member of the rebellion while still technically a part of the Senate. So she's, you know, when she's captured initially, she's there supposedly on a diplomatic mission. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. So she yeah. has been masquerading as part of the Empire or part of the Imperial Senate or at least neutrality for a very long time. So the amount of craft she comes into it a lot smarter and a lot more capable than Luke does. Then Luke happens to be the most powerful, the most powerful force user of all of them, I think, at that point. I think he's supposed to be. In the case of these orphans, is ignorance bliss? Meaning, did Leia know that she was an orphan growing up? No. That's the thing. Like, so because Leia didn't know that she was an orphan, is her story an orphan story? Is, and arguably, because both of them, separate versions of it, were raised by a loving parental unit, whatever that was, is their story... I guess this goes back to what I was asking at the beginning. Is the cool thing about an orphan... I guess not the cool thing. Is the main driver of an orphan story an unknown past that gets unlocked? Or is it the hardship that comes from being an orphan and what path that leads you down? There's always something learned and they're both are true. The yeah. answer is yes. It's both, right? Yeah. Luke but these, but I think, I think these are, this is kind of the two, it sounds like this is the two categories that these are going to fall into. Right. The orphan stories. In a way, Leia, as, as smart as she grows up and as savvy as, as she is, she doesn't mm-hmm. grow up. Well, according to Obi-Wan, she's aware that they're not her actual parents, that she comes from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I guess she's but how much of that's of retconning? Too. That feels a little bit retconny. It feels like something that's been revealed over time. The original yeah. film, you don't know as she doesn't know that she came from anywhere different. Mm-hmm. Although she seems to remember her mother, her real mother. So they talk about that Return of the Jedi. So she's a, maybe she's aware she's adopted. I guess they both are aware. There's no way Luke doesn't know. You don't yeah. call your parents unless he's like uncle and Owen like, and Peru. Yeah. We don't all call our parents uncle and aunt. Yeah. That's not something we all do. Yeah. Oh. Mike Pence peeks out. I call my wife mother. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's all up is down. Mass hysteria. All right. Well, let's since we've got a good example now. Boba Fett's also an orphan. Oh, my God. Let's get out of Star Wars. There's so many more orphans. You know what's tough about that is there are a bunch of clones running around. So there are a bunch of his dads all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, he's not really an orphan. His father is a whole army. But over time, he's seen all of them disappear because the clone army doesn't exist anymore. Those clones, the only one, he's like the only one left. So if Luke is a quintuple orphan, he Uh, is a, what's 80,000 upple orphan? That's it. Yeah, that's Boba. All right, let's move on to, let's talk about some of the great superhero characters that are orphans. And sure. the two biggest are both orphans, obviously. Superman, the two biggest Batman. classic golden age. Yeah, Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. Batman, his orphaning is what drives him. Yes. I remember having an argument, not an argument, discussion mm-hmm. in college. We were having, we were talking about objective and super objective and acting. Those of you who don't know, like an objective might be something you want to see. Like Mark and I are talking and I want him to admit that he loves me. Something like that. that might I be love you, Hal. For a scene. Did it. The super objective is something you will never achieve. Like the thing that overall drives your engine as a person or character. Is that mm-hmm. a fair way to say it? Yeah. So global justice. 
the question is, what is Batman? You know, his objective may be to catch the Joker. It might be to save people. But is his super objective to save everyone? Something he can never do? Or is it to have saved his parents? So now he has all the skills. If Batman existed when mm-hmm. that night in that Gotham alleyway, his parents very well could have lived. But Batman was just a scared child then. He was the one who survived. And so that drove him to both avenge the death of his parents, which he never really gets to do, because even the guy, mm-hmm. even Joe Chill in the comics dies, I think, by somebody else's hand. He never gets what he's looking for. And they, they bring that even into Batman Begins, where he goes to... Wait, goes who is Joe Chill? Joe Chill is the gangster who killed his parents. I thought... Uh, in the original comics. I thought that uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson... Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, but no, but the, uh, I thought, no, it was a guy that looked like Jack Nicholson, but wasn't Jack Nicholson. It was just a little younger than Jack Nicholson. Jack guy. Nicholson. Jackie Nicholson. Yeah. It's Jackie Nicholson. And hang on a second. The Batman world has Mr. Freeze and Joe Chill. Did they ever team up? They never did. He, Joe Chill was just like a two bit thug. He was like a thug, thug gangster, but he winds up like Batman never gets the closure from his parents having right. been killed. So is his, whatever drives him, he'll never be, he can never fill the hole. He won't be able to save everybody. He certainly can't save his parents, except for yeah. that one time where he travels to like travels back through time and beats the gangster to a bloody pulp with his gloved hands. They didn't take him off. They weren't bare hands. Was that in uh, one of the comics? Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have easily just teamed up with the Marvel guys and used some of that pim particle magic <laughs> that sent them back in time. Yeah, in the last movie, like. If all of them are standing around that time machine going, okay, here's what you have to do to get the Tesseract. And then Batman just shows up like, hey, guys, can I have a little of that so I can go to this theater? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure, man. You're not going to mess with the continuum. Speaking of Marvel, by the way, we do have a couple of uh, Marvel superheroes. One superhero, one supervillain hero, Mm -hmm. ambiguous. And that's uh, Spider-Man, of course, and Magneto, both also famous uh, comic book orphans. Absolutely. And Magneto's is another one of those that came a little bit later, but yeah. still, that's his established that he lost his family to concentration camp. Yeah. Uh, which is horrific. And it drives that character. It gave that character a lot of added dimension. Otherwise, he could just mm-hmm. be like a cool looking guy who can manipulate metal. Yeah. But that's the other thing that adding that kind of a backstory does is it creates empathy. Like he's a sympathetic character. You feel yeah. bad for him. And doesn't excuse everything he does, but at least there's an understanding of where the hurt comes from and where his point of view comes from. Spider-Man has to be at least partially orphaned a second time. You know, he didn't grow up with his powers. He gets his powers Mm -hmm. and then loses his uncle. And that is the motivating incident that really teaches him with great power. There must also come great responsibility. Yeah. So that was the second orphaning. Man. Orphaning happens so much in stories that some of the characters get second and third and fourth orphaned. But originally in the comics, who Spider-Man's parents were weren't important. He also, like Luke, grew up with his aunt and his uncle, and they took great care of him, and they helped him along, and and it was losing one of them. That was like the real trauma of like, all right, well, I I can't ever, you know, he carries guilt. Mm -hmm. So does Bruce Wayne, carries guilt. Superman, not so much. He was just a baby. He is believed to be the last of his kind until we found like 900 more Kryptonians. Sure. Who exist. So that's the weird thing for him. And it also sort of captures that idea of the feeling you could have of, I don't quite belong with everybody else. I'm an outsider. Yeah. Because of the orphaning or because I'm from another planet. It sort of captures some of that. For Superman, it's a lot of it is also like being Jewish, like one of many characters Mm -hmm. created by Jewish writers in that time. 
And it's such a, e- not easy, but it's such a powerful way for a writer to give a character an instant backstory and mm-hmm. isolation and questioning of their future and their past. That's the reason it shows up as much as it does. We're going to talk when we get back about some more examples of great fictional orphans. And then we're going to ultimately decide who comes out on top in this battle. And they've been through so much already. I hate to make the bulk of them losers, but we're going to do that. But first, here's a little bit about some of the other great shows on the Maximum Fun Network. We'll be right back. Hey there, quick favor to ask. Will you help us out by taking a five-minute survey at MaximumFun.org slash survey? As you know, most of the support for MaxFun comes directly from folks like you. But many of our shows and our network also rely on limited advertising for some revenue. This survey helps us attract advertisers that are a good fit for the audiences of our shows. And it helps many of our hosts secure a bit of extra income. It should only take a few minutes to complete, and you'll get a discount at MaxFun store when you do. That's MaximumFun.org slash survey. Thanks. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. (laughs) Tune in to hear about... Low-stakes neighborhood drama. Gardening. The sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle. Hot sauce. (laughs) Addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture. And the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it, no matter how gross. (laughs) There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby G. Geniuses. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. We're back talking about orphans. Mm-hmm. Let's move on from Star Wars and the world of comic books. But we're not going to go far because we're going to stay on Disney Plus because no one has brought us more orphans over the years than the fine folks at Disney. A few examples. We've got, of course, Anna and Elsa from Frozen. We have Snow White. Mm-hmm. And we have the orphan that started it all, Bambi. From back in the day. Cinderella's dad, she's this wicked stepmother, but Cinderella's yeah. father, at least in the fairy tale, is part of it. I, he doesn't show up in the movie. He passes away. And even the live action one, he passes away at some point. That's why she's left to the care. Right. So yeah, Cinderella and her mother's already gone. Yeah, so she's not really. It's not like she's being raised. This is like a Harry. She's not Potter. being raised well. Yeah, this is like the this is the Harry proto, Potter proto uh, Harry Potter. The yeah, blue tr- the blueprint that Harry Potter followed for uh, how to raise your orphan. And then I'm putting this one in this into this category as well, even though it's not Disney, it's Don Bluth, but it's a princess story, and that's Anastasia. Okay, but not a fictional character, so we can eliminate that immediately. That's Anastasia, right. real person, and replace her with Curly Sue. And replace her with Curly Sue, the adorable orphan raised by Hobo Jim Belushi. By Bill. Her friend Bill. Yeah. Remember <sighs> she knows how to, she can shuffle cards. Yeah. She's real good at poker. She cheats at poker. Curly Sue was a great movie. It was a lot of fun. And the girl that played Curly Sue, whose name is Allison Porter, yep. for a long time, a ran singer. the most fun karaoke night in LA. Yeah. I think she ran a- the Barney's Beanery one, right? Uh, I don't know that, but she is a professional singer now and she's on TikTok and she actually broke yeah. down the card dealing scene where she's shuffling going like, really to do that. This one, they're all tied together. Then they cut to this. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. She's awesome. Curly Sue's a great orphan. Yeah. And they also did their version of Oliver, Oliver and company where Oliver is a little cat. Right. A little kitten. But there's no way that's the answer. But I like, know scrap- there are a lot of people who hold that dear. 
near and dear to their hearts, but that's not the that It's not a great Disney movie. Yeah. It's medium. It's fine. The songs by Billy Joel are cool. What about Pete from Pete's Dragon? Oh, Pete from Pete's Dragon. I didn't even think about him. Also yeah. a famous orphan. Yeah. Being cared for by a, by a giant animated dragon. Look, they all have some sort of caretaker that appears, whether it's a space wizard or an imaginary dragon. True. And aren't the children in Bedknobs and Broomsticks also orphaned? Um, Probably. I'm pretty sure they're orphaned. Aren't they all? They have to find a home for the three of them. I want to talk a little about Anna and Elsa as orphans. Okay. Because there's one thing I... <laughs> <laughs> all right. It was lackluster. I'm into mm-hmm. it. Sure. Okay. Okay. I want to talk about Anna and Elsa as orphans because there's something about that story that I love, mm. which is aside from, you know, everything I loved the, the first movie, I think it's a blast, but the way that they're being orphans affects the story in that. And I think it's such a powerful way of telling the, an orphan story is we don't have another parental figure come in. Right. We have each other. And by the end of the movie, you realize it's a love story about these two sisters who have to have each other's backs and the backs of an entire kingdom. So the idea that their orphan story goes, yeah, we've been orphaned. No one is coming along to help us. So we've got to do this ourselves. And they spend the whole movie growing into that. It's very powerful. Yeah. Bedknob kids, by the way, are not orphans. They were evacuated from London during the Blitz. Which is kind of like an orphan story. That's true. Yeah. It's a new place, new world. Everything's different. Not the life I knew. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Snow White, obviously, there's all of these different orphan stories, but they all get taken in by someone. I think in particular, Frozen is one that stands out within this group for me. All right. Let's jump from Disney and talk a little bit about the precursors to all of these. You know what? Close Disney Plus on your television, hop on your bicycle, and go down to the library. Because there's some great literary orphans that you might be missing. We talked a little bit about Tom Sawyer. I mentioned Tarzan before. Dorothy Gale from The Wizard of Oz. Robin Mowgli. You've also got another one that really drives the story. Not only does she drive the story of Les Mis, she is also the little girl with the broom in all of the artwork for the massively successful musical of the same name. And that is young Cosette and Valjean picking up Cosette and taking her away. Now, she's not the central protagonist of the story. It is not Cosette's story. But I think she's worth mentioning as a classic literary orphan. She's the but, poster girl for the French Revolution. Exactly. But there's one literary orphan that we can't escape, mm. and that is Harry Potter. Yeah. It drove not only one book, but seven books in an empire. It was a perfect combination, I think, of knowing full well that you are an orphan whose life sucks and the you don't know who you are. Yeah, I mean, part of the journey of Harry Potter over the course of those books and the films as well, I mean, Mm -hmm. just say the books because the films cover at least a portion of the books, Mm -hmm. is this idea of him discovering, reconnecting to his parents, learning who they were as people through the eyes and magic of the people around him. And that helps him understand sort of his place in the world and how he got where he is. And that's something not every, you know, nobody sits. Luke and Leia dad is like, here, watch these prequels. Yeah. You know, those things aren't, as far as we know, explained really in whole cloth detail to them. 
So he really, he's this journey of discovering who he is, not only this kid who surprisingly has magical abilities and discovers a whole other world, but just who he was, what his parents meant to him and what he meant mm-hmm. to them and, and what they the meant to their community part of. Yeah. And by the way, in talking about Star Wars, it would be crazy not to talk about the person who is a literal orphan in mm-hmm. the, in the sequel trilogy, which is Ray. Yeah. You and know, then Ray winds Skywalker. up. Skywalker. Yeah. Winds up with the same last name as those other orphans. So all of the Skywalkers. Oh, I'm Hal Solo now, by the way. I just decided Ooh, that's my last name. Nice. I'm, I'm Darth Solo. Dags. <laughs> oh, you yeah. took the first I didn't change. Name. I took the first. I didn't, t- I didn't. It's not a first name. It's a, a title, isn't it? Yes, it is. Which was yeah. funny that Alec Guinness calls him Darth in the first movie, which makes me laugh. Well, the master of evil, Darth. Yeah. Because Alec Guinness looked at him and went, what's a, what's a Darth? That's his first name. All right. All right. I'll well, nobody knew it. That. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure Lucas is trying to explain. And then Darth is a title and Vader has the name he was given by the Emperor. Meanwhile, Alec Guinness is just sipping tea and looking off and like remembering. Yeah. Remembering being on Broadway. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and playing Fagin. And I was at the RSC. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very it's funny. Movie. Alec Guinness has two different versions of bringing up an orphan. He's got Fagin, who, along with the artful Dodger and Oliver, brings up those orphans. Yes. And then he's got, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is, uh, he's, but at this point, he's gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not just like, Luke, use the force to steal that man's watch. <laughs> You've got to rub a panther or two. <laughs> in this world, one thing, one thing counts, counts. Credits in large amounts. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. Yeah. Imperial credits. But I think that we can't talk about orphans in literature without Harry Potter rising to the top. Because like you mentioned, his entire arc isn't just, I was orphaned, so I have to figure out who I am without my parents. His is, I am an orphan, and I have to figure out who I am based on my parents. And at least partly because of who they were and the struggle that they were in. And relive through magic the moment that they died, that they gave their lives to protect me. And relive through magic at the end, a moment where they can all share and talk to one another. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, look, the elephant in the room is J.K. Rowling, but I think we have to take the um, utter garbage as a human yeah, being. yeah. The the we have to in, we have to take the separate the art and the artist. You want to remove the art from the turf? Yes, exactly. Right. Sounds good. Yeah. In the context, like look, a lot of people, Mark, you know, you can't bring up Huckleberry Finn without going, oh no, yeah. You know, it's not like Charles Dick. You know, a lot of these people are. Well, Huckleberry Finn's not an orphan, though, because he's got Paul. Remember, he runs away from Paul Finn. The town drunk, right? The town. His dad. His dad exists. He's just. That's right. The town drunk. I was thinking that during. He's not really an orphan, is he? No. Tom is the orphan. Yeah. You can find plenty of literary characters that are written by less than savory people and released under less than savory circumstances. But I do think that who would you put up against Harry Potter as the best fictional orphan? Batman? I think, yeah, out of all of them, I think I still love Anna and Elsa, but that's, I don't know if that is, I I don't think that they beat Potter. I don't know if Batman beats Potter. I think it's hard to, I'm hard pressed to think of an orphan story that does more with that element of the story that takes you on more of a journey that creates a better, more rounded character than Harry Potter. Grogu, another Star Wars orphan. Adopted by the Mandalorian. Did you see that? At age 50. 
at age 50. But that for us is like, that's like a little baby. For us? Are you a Grogu? Maybe a little. What is it? Does Grogu have a look at my the shape of my head? Of course, I'm part Grogu. Uh, no, I'm the carriage Grogu gets carried you're around. That, you're that little. You're that little floaty egg. If I open my <laughs> mouth, he'll pop out and go. Oh, oh, oh. Be eating like a lizard or something. Oh my god! The reason why I like Batman versus Harry Potter mm-hmm. number one just <laughs> the idea of the fight. Th- that fight would be amazing. It would be real fun. But 100 percent Harry Potter wins that fight. There are two. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Batman can beat magic people. No, he can't. He can. His superpower is he's rich, as Ben Affleck he's told us. He's also the world's greatest detective. That's true. He's incredibly, incredibly intelligent. He could beat Superman. He could beat a, beat a wizard. Batman okay. He could beat a wizard. See, this I mean, is. Shouldn't be able to. Now it becomes a, now is when it becomes a bargument. But to me, it's not Batman like the versus two of them Harry fighting. Potter. It's yeah. like, is it? More, it's the story. Yeah, let's talk, look at it from a story perspective. If mm-hmm. Batman had the advantages that Harry Potter did, and like, I can go back and meet my parents, and then learn all this stuff, and you know, he knows a little bit more about his parents because he was older when mm-hmm. they were killed. Was he like eleven, something like that? I don't know. He was a kid. Yeah, he was young enough, but had still had a relationship with him. He knew his parents, and so he doesn't get to go commune with them through magic or anything. And if he did, I don't think it would. Would that fundamentally change who Batman is? Would he all if he of a sudden go back? Know, like, oh, I don't have to fight anymore. Batman can't know peace. Yeah. That's the biggest problem with him. Harry Potter sort of does know peace in some way by the end. They figured out, you know, he's figured out how to forge a life. Batman will never get that. Batman doesn't get to marry Ginny Weasley and have a bunch of kids. The thing that turned him into an orphan will haunt him until the day he dies. And it will drive every single thing that he does. With yeah. Harry Potter, the orphanage, well, the orphaning of Harry Potter, while extremely tragic and certainly fertile ground for character creation, ultimately becomes like his greatest strength. Which I like that. Within him. I, I like, no, I, I, I like that. I think that that it does seem to come down. If we're looking, if it's down to these two, which I think you're right. I think it is. I think one of them is there are multiple differences obviously one of them living completely in the real world one of them living in a world where there is magic and fantasy and muggles versus magic people I mean, it's not like batman lives in cleveland no he but i mean a but, world but, with but, superman and dr fate and like a lot there there's a lot i of guess that's true there, yeah there is a lot of fantasy there as well but batman as a character is human without any supernatural powers correct which is why I love like the Christopher Nolan movies. You know, they put they ground it in such a note. This is just a dude with a lot of money and brains doing this thing. But more than that, I think that it's about how they define themselves through their orphanhood. Right. So you've got one character who is defining his future based entirely on going solo. You know what I mean? Everything else is gone. I have been orphaned. I am going to make my way in the world on my terms. Mm. Harry Potter, more like the Star Wars sense or the Skywalker story, not only has he been orphaned and has to make his way through the world, but he also has that don't you know who you already are inherently. I guess fate. There's that inherent fate built into the Skywalker and the Potter stories that is an external force that is not an external force in Batman. Batman's drive after his orphaning is entirely of his own doing. But does that make sense? It does, but I disagree with you. Everything he does, the reason why he becomes Batman mm-hmm. is to prevent either to prevent something from like, like that from happening to anyone else ever again, which he can't do mm-hmm. or 
you know, if I had done this, I could have saved my parents. So I'm going to do this and save as many people as I can. That is wholly defined yes. by him being orphaned. But my Harry point Potter, is at the end of Harry Potter, when he's married with kids and the whole shebang, mm-hmm. his life is no longer defined by him being orphaned. Right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about at the beginning. No one came to Bruce Wayne and said, you're a Batman, Wayne. You know what I mean? The way that they came to Harry and unlocked this door or the way that Obi-Wan came to Luke Skywalker and opened up this door of who they already were predetermined to be. Isn't that more? I mean, so there are two differences there, right? Mm-hmm. Both with Luke and Leia and, and Harry Potter, you can lump them together and someone like Bruce Wayne, who has his parents taken from him at the age of like 10 or 11 years old, where he's old enough to remember it. He's old enough to have forged his own relationships with his parents. Luke and Leia are separated. You know, they never even see their father's face. They literally never see. The only mm-hmm. one who sees his father's face is Luke. When yeah, when he takes his scuba off. gear off at the end. When he takes the scuba gear off of him. So they're raised. They're born and immediately shuttled away. Harry Potter's an infant. Mm-hmm when he loses his parents. So he has no memory of them at all, except for what's told to him. Same with Luke. He doesn't know much about his father yeah. at all. He knows that he was a pilot. Like, oh, I want to be a pilot too. And Obi-Wan is the one who reveals a lot more to him, much like right. much like Hagrid and Dumbledore are the ones that are like, you're part of this wizard world and you're more powerful than you know. And I knew your parents and, and blah, 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 blah. Bruce Wayne doesn't have any of that. Yeah, he, he I, has the tr- he's everything he does is born out of trauma, a trauma that's not experienced by those other kids in terms of like seeing your parent being aware of your parents losing their lives, mm-hmm. not aware of it. So you don't live with that. And there's nothing that a baby could have done to change that. He was old enough to sit there and go like, why am I the one who survived? Why did they why couldn't I, I should have stopped it. I should have been stronger. I should have been better. Mm-hmm. And now because I wasn't right or wrong, my parents are gone forever. So now I'm going to avenge. I remember the fear that I had in that moment when I saw the pearls hit the ground in my parents' bodies. Sure. And I'm going to make when, it when young Jack Nicholson criminal. killed them. When young Jack Nicholson killed them, it talked about dancing in the moonlight. Everybody, Everybody. oh, that's who it was. It was Van Morrison that that's... killed them. <laughs> Van Morrison Close. in Close. his in his velour tracksuit that yeah. he wore in uh, the Last Waltz, standing there, yeah. over the Wayne family. What I was going to say is, he remembers that fear, and it becomes his mission to make every criminal fear that way. Right? And no, every, I Tom, Dick, Grayson, and Harry that show up in his orbit after that. He's like, I know what it is to to be orphaned, and I know what it is to feel pain and feel anger and want revenge. So I'm going to mm-hmm. take you under my wing. And part of that is, like, I w- want you to learn and assist me, but I don't want you to be me. I don't want you to care. I don't want anyone to carry the pain that I carry. Right. Let me jump back to Harry Potter for a minute. Yeah. So we have everything about Batman. Everything. Everything. I think that exhausted Batman. Batman. Let's talk about Harry Potter for a minute. I think that Harry Potter's I want to talk about the orphaning itself, the moment that that character, because if these are our two choices, the moment that that character becomes an orphan, it's integral to Batman's to Bruce Wayne's story. Personally, the moment that Harry Potter becomes an orphan becomes integral to the saving of the world. That in that moment, he gets infused with this horcrux of Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And that makes him like his fate is sealed in that moment. 
So I think that that's something on the plus side for uh, Harry Potter as far as the orphaning itself being not only a, a moment in time that sets a trajectory, but a moment in time that loops all the way back around and takes us from the beginning of the story all the way to the end. I also I, you say that you say that the happy ending for Harry Potter, Harry Potter having a happy ending. You're saying it like that's a bad thing. I kind of love an orphan story that over the sure. course of seven books, you get your happy ending. You get, and it's based on, it's based on a kid who was orphaned coming into his own. And that act of coming into his own is what ultimately gives us the happy ending of the story. I agree with Batman's you. Not- orphaning is a dry, it's the driver of his trajectory as a superhero. But I, my first thought, I guess the thing I, a thing that I come back to is Batman. I, my first thought is not orphan. My first thought is superhero. Of course, Harry Potter, my first thought is wizard and not orphan. But I guess for whom does that inform the story more? I think if you're talking about the character, it probably informs Batman more. I think if you're talking about the story that the character is in, I think the entire story of Harry Potter, the linchpin of that is. The orphaning of Harry Potter. You're making a face. I feel well, like you're I, no, you're no, just gonna you're, you've, no, no, I, you've settled on Batman. I hear what you're saying. I, this is what I keep coming back to: is if not for Batman being orphaned, he would never have become a superhero. If not for Harry Potter being orphaned, the world still, would be under Voldemort now. But he would still be a wizard. He would How do you be know? A wizard raised by his parents because he was born to two wizards. It wasn't the death of his parents that gave him magic powers. He was born the child of two wizards, of a wizard and a witch. So it only, if, if Voldemort had not come for them, if they had kept him and then raised him, who knows what, there's no telling whether or not Voldemort would have been defeated or not, or whether they would have raised him to fight alongside them. He could have gone to Hogwarts anyway and been a student and been part of that. Like he, what he wound up doing in terms of joining Hogwarts as a student, he might have done anyway. He probably, but would he have would not have way. been. But without that moment, he would not have been the boy who lived. He would not have been the legend, and we wouldn't have the, the book. Wouldn't be about him. Of course, I'm just illustrating the point that the orphaning is. I'm just playing devil's advocate at this right, point right, right. to get I'm you to thinking, think outside of the Batman box. I'm thinking outside of the bun. I swear. Oh, just, are we going to Taco Bell? If I did, yes. Oh, good. All right, look, I will jump on the bat wagon. Okay, I agree with you. That there is a lot that Batman, as far as being the greatest fictional orphan, there's a lot of argument for Batman being that. I'm just pointing out, I think that Harry Potter's story, first of all, for me personally, I like a happy ending. I like the fact that his parents martyred him for him. That was also part of it. The Waynes, they didn't die specifically to protect Bruce the way that Lily and Mr. I think is his first name, Potter did. Uh, James, thank you, brain. So I'm just trying to make sure that we try to come at this from all different possible angles. But the more we talk about it, you make a very forceful argument for Bruce Wayne. Yeah, people of the world, here's what happens in that alley. Is, <laughs> Just jump in. <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, you're agreeing, so I'm taking us to the, to the All bridge, right. as it were. Okay. In that alley, he sees heroism modeled for him because Thomas stands in the way of, you know, his parents don't just put their hands up. They're try, they try to deescalate the situation, but they also kind of stand up to the criminal and they pay with it their lives. And he carries that guilt with him being orphaned by Joe Chill. Not young, almost Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson is the name oh. of that actor. In case you didn't know. 
Don't look it up. Jack Those- Dimeson. Jack Dimeson. Jack Pennyson. Jack Quarter. Pennyson! Pennyson. Jack yeah. Pennyson. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> when Batman is orphaned, without that inciting event, we don't get Batman. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse. For better for a lot of people in Gotham, for worse for Bruce Wayne because he is a tortured soul who yeah now batman is the person and bruce wayne is the mask blah 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 tortured life takes in other orphans and trains them to be thug beater uppers loses some of them like just tragic orphaning just a orphan orgy of sadness (laughs) is batman but it's very compelling and in a field of very strong candidates including the great harry potter a beloved fictional character and and whose orphaning is very important to his story as well batman comes out on top because nobody suffers as much as bruce wayne (laughs) and so we'll force him to roll this boulder up the hill over and over again for eternity as the best fictional orphan asked and answered this uh this sisyphian is that the word you use sisyphusian sisyphusian sisyphus task the sisyphusian task we've done a sufficient job in the we've done a sufficient job in the sisyphan task of determining the best fictional <laughs> orphan this topic is closed but there are many more topics to discuss so please reach out to us on twitter at we got this tweets or email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or go to the facebook group talk about your favorite fictional orphans more than you already have this came by the way, directly from our Facebook group. This was suggested by Patrick Parker. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. For your suggestion. I hope you enjoyed the gab. But of course, there are many more topics and we want to hear from the rest of you. So that is a great place to come in and join in to the conversation. Plus, it's the best place on the internet to be. It's fun. Okay? Promise. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, who has wonderful shows of his own, like a bit of a chat with Ken Plume and Force 5 for Star Wars Figures Collectors. I'm recording my episode this Thursday. Ooh. I'm very excited. I have to pick out which figures. I have like a loose, I think I have like three of them picked out. Three out of the five. Anyway, also thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Eric Hellman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for giving Hal and I an opportunity to sit here and talk about something as delightful and joyful as orphanage. Orphaning? An orphanage is a place. Anyway. (sighs) We love you all. Thank you for giving us the chance to sit down and goof around and have some fun. And we hope you had a good time, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.